Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Kenem. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. So definitely join in that conversation on social media. You can find all our accounts and so much more at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Join in on Facebook. Join in on Twitter. Join in on Instagram. Join in on Podchaser. Drop a five-star review while you're there. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPH. Kicking off the show this week, we have to recap. The last trailer before one of our favorite shows returns mm-hmm. to the broadcast airwaves. Yes. And that is Disney Plus's The Mandalorian. Season 2. Season 2 is almost upon us. We're about a week away, just a little a day or two away. Mm-hmm. It is Finally here, we got another teaser trailer, some new footage. Yep. We are going to be breaking it down because they did this one perfect, in my opinion. Non-spoiler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought they teased enough without giving everything away, but there was some stuff that we have to dissect. So we are going to be talking spoilers. So if you are trying to avoid it, we give you fair warning right now because we're going to deep dive into it in three, two, one, pad. What did you think? Uh, I thought it was okay. Uh, when they we found out we were going to be getting a new first look trailer, or a new trailer for The Mandalorian during halftime of the Monday Night Football game on ESPN this week, uh, obviously that comes with high expectations because, you know, that is kind of a staple for Star Wars to do these days. You know, halftime of a Monday Night Football game, put out a trailer, and I'm like, oh, this should be good. And it, it was okay. You know, not a home run, you know, grand slam out of the park. You know, only uh, clocks in at one minute. Uh, in time, so was expecting a little bit more, but I'm okay with not getting more. I'm glad we didn't get more, to be honest with you. In fact, I have to guess that we saw a lot of what we're going to see in the first episode. Probably. I know they didn't want to really reveal a lot because, obviously, giving too much away would definitely be a a misstep. Mm -hmm. And so far, everybody behind this show has been so smart about it. So they kept one of the biggest reveals and secrets in Star Wars history under wraps. Yeah, which I, I applaud them in this day and age to keep everything under wraps as they did. So when that first day came out for Disney+, Plus, November 12th, when it dropped, it was absolutely mind-blowing mm-hmm. to see that, okay, we have a baby Yoda. Yep. What the hell is going on? Uh-huh. And to see the evolution of the character Din Djarin, who has been played brilliantly by Pedro Pascal. Masterfully. Masterfully, because you never see his face. You just hear his voice. He learned his lesson from Game of Thrones. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And to see just how he's portrayed this character in this space western, that's Mm -hmm. the easiest way you can describe it, has been remarkable. And to see how this has really gravitated and energized the fan base that, let's face it, was very... I want to say maybe underwhelmed in some aspects. That's maybe mildly. About the recent trilogies that came out. That's putting it very mildly. Well, it, it is what it is. I mean, I didn't mind them. I took them for what they were. Oh, yeah. But I know that there is a very big part of the Star Wars fan base. And, Pad, this is your ter- your territory. You know better than I do. Yeah. The general reaction from the Star Wars universe. In terms of Star Wars, uh, the original trilogy is looked on very fondly. 
prequel trilogy, it's getting looked on a little more fondly than it used to. I think people are warming up to it more than they were in, say, the last decade or so. You know, it's it's fun to see. Uh, but in terms of the pre- the sequel trilogy, there is a divide in the fan base larger than any canyon or gorge on the planet that you have people who love it, people who hate it. You got kind of some people kind of in the middle who are like, yeah, I like bits of it, but there are other parts I don't like. And it's just, there's no room for anything else. I was going to say, if you really want to cause some social media buzz, uh, post on there. What do you think about the last Jedi? Uh huh. (laughs) And see what happens. Yeah. I give you fair warning. You don't want to hear any heat about it. Well, I took your advice, Ken. No, I'm not telling you to do it. I'm just saying, if you really want to see a, a general reaction, throw that out there yeah, and then it, turn it, off it, your notifications. It was one thing when, like, the lead up to Force Awakens, where like it was everyone was so excited and, and anticipating it, and speculating. The speculation was awesome. It was it was fun, you know. And then it came out, and a lot of people liked it. Some people had some criticism, but it wasn't anything, you know, outrageous or crazy. It was like, oh, okay, yeah, I can see that. But then The Last Jedi came out, and it was just like, and Chasm is now built. Yeah, this one definitely divided the fan base. Rise of Skywalker was what it was. But to continue that taste of the Star Wars universe, this show had to deliver. A lot was riding on it, too, because Mm -hmm. being a brand-new streaming service, we didn't know what we were going to fully expect from Disney+. Plus. And this show hit a home run right out the oh, gate. Oh, absolutely. And, and it helmed by, you know, a master storyteller and John Favreau and mm-hmm. then having an incredible crew of directors, you know, behind him, in, including Dave Filoni, who is the greatest Star Wars storyteller that is not named George Lucas. Facts. Can't argue about that at all. No. So to see where this was going to go, this has been heavily hyped. It's already been announced that season three is in production. Mm-hmm. Season two will not be stopped because of COVID. Nope. They finished up right before everything shut down. Right. So we are going to get the brand new season kicking off in order. But this is going to be the little taste of what we have to go. And they jump right out the gate, too, which I like, with having a high action sequ- sequence involving the X-Wing fighters. Yep. Two X-Wings are chasing down the Mandalorian's. Uh, Starship when you you hear one X-Wing pilot say, Razor Crest, stand down. And, uh, yeah, he don't listen to that. Yeah, he definitely doesn't. He just is the Mandalorian mm-hmm. as he's going. It just gives a sense of, okay, the stakes are that high because now word is traveling around the galaxy that there is another Yoda. Right. And what is going to pray tell with this? Nobody really knows. Mm-hmm. And as they progress forward, we do see some familiar faces coming back, which yep. is which is always good. Carl Weathers returns as Grief Karga. Yep. And you also see Gina Carano return as Cara Dune. Yep. So you see that the Mandalorian does have some allies in this world, mm-hmm. but how many enemies he has, we're going to remain to be seen. Yeah. And as they're progressing forward... He does drop a little tidbit of information that I definitely picked on because they definitely do the planet jumping again, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in a planet that is not Hoth. Nope. But it's also the uh, dry desert area is is rumored as Tatooine. Could be. Could be. I'm not saying it's official. But as he's jumping around, he mentions about how he has to get Baby Yoda back to his uh, elders. His kind. Yeah, his his kind. kind. Yeah, he comes up to... uh, uh, Carl Weathers and, and Gina Carano, he says, you know, I'm here on business. I've been requested to bring this one back to his kind, which is huge because in the Star Wars mythos, the official ones, not the, you know, stuff that's not canon, there's only ever been one, two, maybe, uh, creatures of, of that race. One was Yoda and one was named Yaddle, I believe, who mm. was in uh, The Phantom Menace and then never seen again. So, and, and that's been the, even from the time Yoda was first introduced on screen in 1980 with uh, Empire Strikes Back. We know absolutely jack all about his race. Like, even for the long, like, 
when you talk about alien races in Star Wars, you you typically know what they're called. You know the the Twi'leks are the Twi'leks. You know the 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 dancers with the long head tails. Mm-hmm. They're Twi'leks, and you know Wampas and Cree. You know you know like all the races names. But for you know the last forty years now, it's never been oh Yoda's race is called this. It's always just been Yoda's race. And mm-hmm. Don't know where they're from. Don't know anything about them. Just that Yoda's the only one. Yes, so the Shroud of Mystery is very huge. But when he also says during this time about how he has to get the baby back to his kind, he does drop that he's searching for other Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very, very telling. Because, oh, yeah. Because during this time, you've seen he's trying to work on his crash ship, and he's mm-hmm. also back to this underground fight ring that we don't know a lot about, but I guarantee you this is going to be in the first episode. Probably. That they've teased it way too much and how everybody's saying, you can't bring a baby in here. Yeah, yeah the one, whatever alien he's talking to says, this is no place for a child. And as soon as he says child, three people stand up, or maybe even five now that I'm looking at it. Yeah. There's somebody who stands up in the background. It's kind of hard to tell. But there are three people in the immediate background who stand up and point a gun at his head. And and he's like, oh, okay. You know, he activates his gauntlet and he goes, uh, wherever I go, he goes. And that's the moment where from the previous trailer, Baby Yoda, you know, hits the button on his little pod and goes hiding. Yeah. You know, and then he shoots off these little wrist rocket things that swirl around and take out all his enemies. Yeah, it's a brilliant scene. And obviously you still have the fun little humor Mm -hmm. that is always a plus to this show. Yep. That the Mandalorian does have its serious moments, but to see how the fish out of water Mm -hmm. Mandalorian is now handling dealing as being a surrogate father to yeah, uh, yeah. to one of the most powerful beings in all the universe. Mm-hmm. This is just kind of another play to its its strengths that you definitely have that Western feel to it. And you definitely are starting to connect to the kinship yeah. they have, yeah. you know, as you know, a, a parent to a child. Sure. And as we progress forward, we do see some more action. Yep. Let's say there's one scene where I don't know what this thing is. It looks like a speeder of some sort uh, is jumping off of a ledge, presumably from a base or whatever. So, looks like he's probably running away from something uh and then it cuts to a canyon probably on the same it looks like it's kind of on the same planet where his ship crashes uh and he's being chased by uh two stormtroopers on us on speeder bikes like you saw in uh return of the jedi yeah it's a very cool scene to see and as we see uh carl weathers and gene carano and a mystery character yeah are now helming that uh, ship. Yeah, and, and and just it's a real blink and you miss it type of thing where you see the guy. But I, and I'm gonna have to try and pay attention on my rewatch because I have admittedly haven't seen the episode since they first aired. He looks kind of familiar, so maybe he was in the previous season, and I'm just forgetting who he is. But I'll I'll have to come back and on that when I start my rewatch later yeah, this week. Yeah, we're definitely gonna have to deep dive into who that is because he does look very familiar, but I'm not sure exactly yeah. who he is yeah. in the Star Wars mythos. Yeah. But it's a nice action sequence. We see a little more back and forth between the Mandalorian and his team. Yeah. And you see a very cool standoff as they're going into an elevator. You know, it's just a very high-stakes moment. And mm-hmm. it's one of those iconic moments. And I don't want to throw around like, oh, this is the greatest moment in the show. But to see Grief and Kara and the Mandalorian getting yeah. ready for what presumably might be the final mission Could of be. the season it's just one of those stencil moments that you definitely love to see. Yeah. And definitely gets such a cool vibe from as they're progressing through a hallway of, of a ship. We don't really know. And then we're right. seeing more TIE fighters go around. And then the biggest thing that I know, Pad, you you pointed out and definitely yep. is, is very, very noteworthy about this. He's got a jetpack. Yeah, so he's officially a Mandalorian now? Uh, I, I mean, guess. I, I mean, know. I don't know how you work it, but. I mean, he said it, whatever episode it was last season that, you know, you know, when 
uh, the other Mandalorians were surrounding him and helping him escape the planet he was on. He looked at the one who was flying alongside his ship, and he just goes, I got to get one of those. Yes. Well, he got his wish. He definitely did. And then at the end of the trailer, though, we do see a returning face of one Moff Gideon mm-hmm. escaping from his crash ship, Giancarlo Esposito, the man yep. at the legend, yep. coming back, getting ready to do some damage. Super, super cool way to end this. Yeah. So that all being said, Pad, how you feeling going into the season? I'm super excited for this season. I know the the previous season was you know an absolute home run out of the park. It, it far exceeded my expectations just because I I was initially a little skeptical because I was like, all right, you know, this isn't with any of the characters we're familiar with. You know, how is this going to work? I you know, it's not Boba Fett, so it's not. But it was an absolute home run out of the park. And then you factor in the the complete surprise with you know the child, Baby Yoda. You know, just completely upending the you know the mythos and the Star Wars story on its head. You know, it was an absolute home run out of the park, and it's going to be very interesting to see how they they you know move step up from that because it, the, they set the bar very high. Yeah, you know, and I can't wait to see them exceed that those expectations, especially in this day and age where streaming services are really booming for mm-hmm. the most part. Disney Plus has grown to be one of the biggest players in the whole streaming service yes. world. Yes. It's because of the Mandalorian and the MCU shows, I will say right now, sure. that have really set the bar. I mean, we really haven't even dived into the MCU uh, universe on here. Right, yeah, because we were, I mean, we were supposed to get it, but because of the current pan- uh, situation with the pandemic, that kind of delayed things. But no, yeah, you're absolutely right. Disney Plus is a major player out of the gate, and it's not just thing, not all, not all. It's not just you know Star Wars and Marvel. Those are a huge part of it, but a part of it. But you got to look at situations like with uh, when they brought uh, Hamilton the musical mm-hmm. musical to to Disney Plus. You know, it's a huge play, a very popular play that a lot of people might not get to see just because of you know where they live in the world and just how hard it is to get tickets to that damn thing. Oh, absolutely. Because I, I remember my sister's a huge Broadway fan, and she would tell me, you know, she told me. I was like, why, you know, why is it so hard to get tickets? And she goes, oh, it's really pot. She was kind of going through the whole thing of it. And she said, you know, just to see the popularity and even just where they do the lottery system, where it's like, okay, you sell the tickets, but then you keep a couple reserved for people that will come up and enter a, you know, a ticket lottery type system. And you might win tickets for them to do it, have done the lottery system for as long as they did was almost unheard of. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy to, to see that Disney Plus was able to swing that. And yeah. just for the the Buzz Hamilton has always had. Oh, God, yeah. It's been great. Yeah. So now to see that The Mandalorian, which, let's face it, if The Mandalorian flopped, Mm-hmm. Disney Plus would be in rough shape. It'd be in rough shape. They'd be good just because of the the backlog and the catalog is one of the best on on streaming right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we've set our issues with HBO Max. We've you know Netflix is Netflix. You know, it's got its nice own library of stuff and the rotating carousel of what they have is nice. But it's nice to have you know those Disney staples and those classic films live and and animated. Uh, available at, at your fingertips at any time. Absolutely. Like I said, Mandalorian has been a major key of the success. The MCU definitely has, even though, like I said, we haven't had any shows there yet. Yeah, which, I mean, we were supposed to, but, hey, that's just the way that ships fell. But for what they've been teasing on there, yeah. I mean, that's why I say yeah. it, it feels like they've already been on there. I know they have Oh, yeah, but... no, they haven't. But I mean, there's enough stuff in the back catalog between the movies and even some of the animated shows. Yeah. You know, you go through X-Men, the animated series, Spider-Man, you know, the Spider-Man animated series. You know, there's enough there that, like, it, it hasn't been sorely missed. You know, it's it's missed, but it's not terribly missed. No, because the success of The Mandalorian, like I said, has really covered up a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And being the flagship show, yeah, 
to see where they're going in season two, I'm super excited about this. Yeah. Obviously, we're going to be recapping every single episode on here mm-hmm. because it's been that good. And to see if they can match the success. I mean, all signs are pointing to yes. Yeah. Let's say uh, uh, John Favreau still directing episodes and writing episodes and producing the show. Dave Filoni uh, still working with him. I don't think he's uh, directing as many episodes as he did uh, this season just because he was busy with other stuff, but he's still involved. So all signs are pointing to this being another home run. Yeah, and this is going to be such a huge win to end out 2020 for Disney Plus going forward in the future because... They still have a lot of shows lined up. Mm-hmm. We still have not heard a lot about what the status is with the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. That is going to start filming, I want to say, early next year, like March or April or something. Yeah. Ewan McGregor's been hinting a lot of stuff. Yeah. Even even getting his hair ready for that, for yeah, that role. Yeah, he's definitely been teasing a little bit, but like yeah. I said, we haven't heard anything too official. He's just happy he can talk about it after knowing about it for like five years. Yeah, but the fact that we're going to get that and just that's going to be the start of the Star Wars renaissance on mm-hmm. here is going to be super, super excited. But it all kicks off next Friday as we're recording October 30th. Yep, and I should note, if, like me, uh, you're going to do a rewatch uh, and do an episode a day leading right up to, you know, you finish the day before. It's either the day before or the day of the new episode. Uh, you should start your rewatch. Uh, I believe I'm doing one episode a day, so it should be I should finish the day before uh, the new season starts. Uh, you should start that on uh, Thursday, October 22nd. So that being said, get your rewatch ready and definitely join in the conversation on social media. Let us know what you thought about the latest Mandalorian trailer. Are you excited for the show? I'm going to say yes, but let's break it down a little further, shall we? Hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Are you tired of watching the same old awesome movies? Are B-movies more your style? Then the folks over at They Call This A Movie have you covered. Join us every Thursday as we review the worst of the worst in sci-fi, action, comedy, and more. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean at theycalledthisamovie.podbean.com. They Called This A Movie, testing the strength of friendships, one terrible movie at a time. This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horizon 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. Coming back for the second segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and I want to talk about a show that has been a surprise. Okay. Absolute surprise of how freaking good it has been returning for its sixth season, and that is Fear, The Walking Dead. Not the regular Walking Dead. Sure. Not Worlds Beyond. No. Let me give you a little quick backstory about this. Okay. I know this has been the spinoff show of the actual Walking Dead, mm-hmm. and when it came out, it was supposed to be a prequel, and we have been very vocal on this show about how disappointing, I'm, I'm going to use that word nicely, of how that show was. Yeah, because, I mean, initially we were like, yeah, we were a little skeptical, because I think this aired before that we started this podcast. You know, we were kind of initially kind of skeptical, because it's like, all right, it's not following the source material, how good is this going to be? But I was at least initially a little optimistic, just because it was about going to be about the start of the apocalypse, and you were going to get a glimpse at how it started, because as we know from the proper Walking Dead main series, uh, it's it, you know it starts with Rick in a... You know, chasing down a suspect, gets in a gunfight. Spoilers, but hey, it's 10 years ago at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, gets into a gunfight. He gets wounded, gets put into a coma, and he wakes up and all hell is broken loose and the zombies are running free. So we never, outside of a couple of flashbacks and some episodes in season one, we really never had never to that point seen 
how things went down and how bad things got, you know, even in the comics, I, I think, you know, you never really get a hint as to how bad things got. So that was in the, at least initially a kind of a hanging on point of like, oh, this could be interesting just to see how bad things got. Yeah, it was something that, OK, let's give it a shot and see. Yeah, but I'll be very honest. And this is my opinion of this. I did not care what happened to anybody on the original season of the show. See, I didn't mind. I didn't mind the first season. The first season was at least a little interesting. You know, had its moments. It was cool to see things break down and, you know, the family try to stick together and and survive. But what really burned me was season two, where that was where it kind of started to tail off a little bit for me. And they kept doing those those weekly, like I think it was one or two in between one or two commercial breaks mm-hmm. where they were doing the bit about the plane and how they were saying it was like, oh, this is, you know, it's going to be over the next however many weeks it, it was and it's going to have a major direct impact on the show and somebody from that. Uh, that little bit, I think it was called like Flight 742 or, or something. Yeah, like yeah it was, it was something a, like a little snippet there, yeah. It, yeah, they were like, oh, one of, the, one of the people in those little clips are going to end up on the on the show. And I was like, oh, all right. You know, and as the weeks progressed, I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. This is, this is cool. It took too long and it ended up being, oh, hey, yeah, they're just there for where the person ends up. And the person that came over from the little bits was a zombie and they killed it. Yeah, it just didn't really connect. And like I said, the the family the the first season was supposed to be based around. I didn't care about. No, I could it, not it, get it emotionally was, connected to. Yeah. I was like, I hope y'all get eaten. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I didn't care for him either. But I was just at least intrigued as to okay, how the hell are they going to get out of this? I will say though, the character that I was very captivated by was Coleman Domingo. Okay, and that was uh, Victor Strand on the show. Oh yeah, I thought when they added him to the mix, that was a very cool dynamic because it just seemed like everybody else on that show was too predictable mm, of how yeah. they were reacting. Yeah. And I understand it's a prequel. I understand, well, you got to you know, cut some slack. It's the beginning of the zombie apocalypse. No, I'm sorry. It was so telegraphed yeah. that I literally lost interest. Yeah, and it wasn't even a case. They weren't even kind of constrained by your usual issues you have with prequels where, you know, Star Wars prequels, okay, they had to get to a certain point. The Hobbit films, they had to get to a certain point. The Harry Potter film, uh, the Harry Potter prequels, uh, uh Oh, so series of unfortunate events. That's a whole other franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them book series. There's a couple of things that need to happen that, you know, so there's kind of an end game where you have to end up. The Fear of the Walking Dead wasn't necessarily constrained by those same restraints because Walking Dead takes place on the East Coast. In the comics, it starts in Georgia, but they end up in Virginia, the show they've never really said. Mm-hmm. You know, so and, and Fear of the Walking Dead started in Los Angeles. So it's like, okay, whole different family, opposite side of the country. There's nothing you really have to like behooven to like, oh, you got to end up at this place by this point. Yeah. So they did have some growth to do. And obviously, it's been a long time since I've checked it out. I will say, though, I've kind of dipped my head into their universe a little bit when they added Lenny James, who is absolutely brilliant as Morgan Jones. Yeah. And I said, okay, let's see where this goes. And the show had been getting better. Like I said, it wasn't enough that I was watching it religiously. Sure. But it was enough that I was like, okay, let's see where we're at. And I will say they definitely took some very cool directions once they sped up their timeline to get to present time in the TWD universe. Mm -hmm. So that being said... This past uh, month, we had New York Comic Con, and I was covering all the panels, and they showed the first 10 minutes of the new season premiere, Mm -hmm. and I was blown away by it. I said, holy, I got to go watch this. That's how good it was, and that was just the first 10 minutes. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'll start watching again and see where this first episode leads, and I will say, we are going to be talking spoilers Mm. in three, two, one. I was blown away of how good this has been. Hmm. 
And episode two was not a disappointment either, albeit the first episode was stronger. Okay. But what they're doing this season is they're doing it in anthology style. So to get you quickly caught up to speed, this group of survivors has been separated. There's a character by the name of Virginia, mm-hmm. who is played by Colby Minfrey, Okay. who you do know from The Boys. She's the PR rep. Oh, okay. So how she is, she plays two different, very two different characters on this uh, which is just a talent to Colby's uh, acting because she knocks it out of the park. Virginia is very much like a governor type. Um, mm. You know, she's the main antagonist. Okay. And what she does is she splits up the group, and they're all kind of different ways. At this point, Morgan has been shot by her mm. and escapes, and he's left for dead. So when you see the promo art, his eyes are red. Yeah. Now everybody's going, oh, is he a zombie? Is What's going on here? No, he has an infection from a gunshot. Yeah, I figured it was something to that effect. Yeah, but it's absolutely brilliant what's going on because as he has escaped and he is trying to reconnect with his group because what they're, the enemy group is called the Pioneers. Mm-hmm. He is now being hunted by Virginia. Virginia opens up this episode by calling a bounty hunter. Oh, boy. By the name of Emil. Who, to find and kill Morgan. Now, how they set it up is you don't know who Emil is. He is sitting and he is by a campfire, and you all of a sudden you hear a man come out of the woods, and he's and he's being very coy with him. And uh, Demetrius Gross, who plays Emil, played him phenomenally, and he's saying like, "Oh, like he's befriending him, like, oh, what happened?" And he's like, "Oh, I've been on the run for how long now?" And you know, and he's like, "Oh, this dog has been chasing me for so long." Mm. And uh, Emil goes, well, yeah, it's my dog. And he whips out an axe and cuts his head off. Damn. Right. So he puts his head in a box because he is a head hunter, literally. Mm. So Virginia tr- gets in contact with him and says, yeah, I need you to kill Morgan Jones. Yeah. So during this point, too, Morgan is trying to fight for his life, but he's going back and forth. And I will say this has been a, char- a character trait that he's had since the his original run on TWD. Uh-huh. He goes through these phases where he doesn't know if he wants to live or die. Yeah. And he's very conflicted about everything that's been going on. So during his escape from Virginia and company, he runs into a character by the name of Isaac, Hmm. who is trying to help him. Uh, Michael Abbott plays Isaac, who was another survivor. And he does find Morgan and basically covers for him because Emil at this point is tracking him down. Oh, boy. And we really don't know what's going on and what is happening that Isaac is trying to find him. But we do find out that later Isaac is looking for help for his pregnant wife, Rachel. And he basically tracks Morgan down, who is living in a um, a water tower. Hmm. Kind of like in the Avengers video game that oh, just came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How Kamala Khan has her own yeah. secret place. Yeah. Same thing. Okay. So they do elude Emil for this moment, but Emil tracks them down. Hmm. Like the dog has the scent. And he does this very cool scene where he literally pulls the water tower off wow. and he crashes Isaac and Morgan in there. Wow. But they do escape, though. Like, they do have some great action sequences, which I think just kind of adds to it. Uh-huh. But it's a very interesting back and forth as they're trying to get back to uh, the ultimate plan is they want to get back and help Rachel out. Uh-huh. But there's one thing that's going on here that I don't know if they've explained enough right. in – the Walking Dead mythos. Uh-huh. If somebody is sick uh-huh. or infected, uh-huh. do you know zombies do not pick up on them? No, because admittedly in the comics, uh, I don't think that's uh, somebody being sick has ever come up. 
Yeah. You know, just having like a cold or the flu or the stomach bug. I don't think it's ever come up. And, and even in the show, it's never come up. Right. It's been a weird thing because during this time, Morgan is by these zombies and they're walking past him. Well, because even so far as like summer allergies, like mysteriously, nobody on The Walking Dead has uh, allergies. Right. Anything. So it's a weird dynamic that I was like, okay, this is a very interesting ploy. Like, is he near death? Like, mm, do they not mm-hmm. smell their own kind? Like, mm-hmm. you can kind of ask those questions, which I'm like, okay, me as a viewer, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Because I don't know how to exactly do this. Because once they get back to where it appears they're by the Hoover Dam at this stage. They're by a dam area. And Rachel, who is pregnant, is basically separated from Isaac and is using Morgan to get there. Mm-hmm. And Morgan is going through these moments where he's summoning all his strength to use his staff to be a weapon and, and fight these off. So during this fight, though, Isaac is scratched. Mm. So thus he is now uh, infected. Like you show, he has a bite. Right. And before he goes, though, he does uh, set up plans for Morgan to survive. Uh-huh. Because Emil does track them down, and they do have this amazing standoff. And just how it, it kind of plays. It does become a little bit of a distraction, though. I will say it does take away a little bit their fight scene. Yeah. Because Morgan is fighting Emil, and then Isaac has to jump in and save him. Uh. And during this time, that's when you find out that he's bitten. But Morgan does kill Emil off. Oh, jeez. So it is this very cool moment. Like, you finally get the payoff. I will say if, if that's a downer for the episode, I'm willing to take it. Sure. Because the emotional journey that Morgan is going on, and he's trying to push Isaac away. He's like, I don't I don't need you. I don't want anybody. I don't want to be saved. And he has the bullet lo- still lodged in him. He does have it taken out that mm. the bullet is extracted, but Isaac did it before he dies of his infection. During this time, too, though, because Emil is gone, Morgan has everything that Emil had. So he took his, his axe, his clothes, and a key. There's a mysterious key that... Emil has. Mm. So Morgan has this, and he's now finally healed because Isaac was treating him a little bit. That's how they kind of ran into each other in town. And he finds out that Rachel has now given birth. They've named the child after Morgan. Mm -hmm. And Morgan decides to say, I'm back like John Wick style. Because he does message Virginia to find the body of he's basically kind of alludes to that Morgan's been killed. Yeah. So Virginia shows up. By the way, they have the SWAT band back mm. that was kind of very notable, like through the beginning of the series too. Uh, she pulls up with her crew, and they find bodies lying in the road, like a de- like a block a blockade. Mm. And they find Emil's head in a box, mm. and with a walkie-talkie. So Virginia is like freaking out because she is, like I say, portrayal is more like the governor. Like, she's not, like, super sadistic, but she's more like, okay, this is my way, this is how we're doing things, blah, 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 blah. And then when she opens and finds Emil's head in there, they do hear over the radio, she's, like, messaging, like, you know, where are you, what are you doing? And you just hear Lenny James go, Morgan Jones is dead. You're dealing with somebody else now. Bum, bum, bum. Click. And then the little bonus scene is you do see uh, a pair of gentlemen spray painting the end is the beginning on a submarine that's washed up. And they're alluding to the fact that the original victim from Emil should have shown up with their key. Mm. So now they have to go search for the key and where it is. They don't give away a lot, but the drama built up in this episode was like, this is the Walking Dead I've been waiting to see for a couple of years. They took risks. 
and how they were they d- brought back the horror to it, which is the best thing about this. Mm-hmm. And it's basically what level of humanity are we at right now? Where you have Morgan who's fighting for life and is going back and forth of like giving up, but he finds the strength to continue. And it's all on Lenny James' performance too. Mm-hmm. If anybody else was doing this scene, doing this episode, I don't think it would came off as strong. I really don't. But he knocks it out of the park. It does suck they killed a meal off, though, because him as the bounty hunter, and it kind of reminded me of the Saint of Killers from uh, Preacher. Mm-hmm. You have this mysterious badass who's just going through with an axe and just cutting heads off and is the unstoppable force. Like, no matter how much Isaac and Morgan escape him, mm-hmm. he's still tracking them down. Gotcha. Like, it's brilliant how he does it. But it's a shame that they did kill him off, and obviously he ain't coming back. But now with a healthy Morgan trying to round up his surviving group, mm-hmm. that's where it's building into. And I will touch very quickly upon episode two as well because, like I said, it's anthology style. So you're seeing what every group is doing. At this stage, you're seeing Alicia and Strand are now taken in by the pioneers into one of their camps. And you're also seeing about how there's basically having a herd of walkers around this camp Uh and how basically – they are trying to plot their escape. You know, Strand is with Alicia, but you're also seeing like how the stakes are about how this camp is ran. And if you're not following suit, you do get killed off. Like they do open this, the show out where there's uh, people trying to escape the warehouse that they're in. Uh-huh. And it's so slippery for where they're working. that one slides right underneath this closing door. Yeah. gets eaten by a zombie herd. It's a very weird setup how they do, but you do get a lot of strong performances from Strand in this. Like I say, Colin Domingo plays this, so well and he's so back and forth that you really don't know where he is i will say in a comparison he's almost like the negan of the show okay so he's going back and forth and working everybody and during this time too they also run into dakota who is virginia's younger sister so while they're working with virginia and basically becoming part of that community Mm -hmm. you're also having members that are trying to help them out and like i say it's a kind of a weird play that you do see dakota trying to help them, who's played by Zoe Coletti. Uh-huh. So at this stage, they're going back and forth, working angles, and Strand is playing both sides. Like, he he kills a fellow prisoner to sacrifice him to gain uh, a little upper hand on everybody. Huh. So, and, and Virginia is in love with it. She's like, oh, well, you really took charge, and you really had to do what you did for this community. But Strand is going back and forth because he feels overwhelmed with guilt about this. And like I say, it's this one's a little more dramatic than yeah. it is horror. So, like I say, it's just a little more setup of where they're going with the series. But they do it very well because also you see another character return to the show, and that's Daniel, played by Ruben Blaze. You do know him if you see him. He's he's always been the father figure of the, one, the, the other family that was in season one. Okay. So you do see him, and he is acting like he has amnesia during this time. So hmm. he is trying to really not be connected into uh, Virginia's camp because, like I say, it's a very weird governor setup of what they had there. And everybody's just following suit, and Virginia is ruling with an iron fist. And when they're saying about how they're sending their prisoners out to clear space for the walkers, you know, so basically she's running a very tight ship of, okay, you're working your place here to stay. Uh-huh. Daniel is also trying to follow suit, but he's acting like he doesn't know anybody. So when he sees uh-huh. Alicia and Strand, he's playing dumb. But later, he does get attacked by a walker to end the show, and it's Morgan saves him. And then he reveals that he's been working everybody the entire time. Mm. And that's how it ends. So it's really a crazy setup of how they have this 
dynamic build up for both shows or for both seasons or episodes rather because the first one like i said was such a strong performance like it was going to be tough to top mm-hmm. in my opinion and morgan jones like i say lenny james just absolutely kills it every time he's in this role because he had so much dynamic to this character to see that i mean obviously nothing against uh colin domingo to uh playing him uh, playing strand as well because they do it's just a different dynamic too and obviously alicia devon carey who does play alicia you do see this, you know, back and forth that they have this dynamic and they have this, you know, friendship built up too. Because that's where Strand is also working everybody. Because he arranges for Alicia to get sent to another camp because he's like, I know what I'm going to be doing here for Virginia, and I don't want her to see me sink to this level. Right. And he's obviously working so many different angles that, like I say, both episodes stand on their own, and it's such a cool dynamic too that I wish the fear or the regular Walking Dead writers would see this. Mm. Because, no, Pad, I've already talked about three different characters on this. Yeah. Do you get the sense that they have all the same story? No. Do you get the sense that it is something that we've seen before? No. That's how The Walking Dead should be. But Fear has definitely become the superior show at this moment. And I know you're saying, well, you know, the mid-season's on hiatus or whatever you're calling with the end of the Whisper War. It doesn't matter. Fear is standing out light years ahead. And where they're going for next episode is anybody's guess. Because the only thing that you know is Colin Domingo is actually directing it. Mm-hmm. And it's titled Alaska. Hmm. So we'll leave it at this. But also this past uh, episode two was directed by Lenny James himself. Too. Cool. So like I say, you're starting to see a lot of different eyes and really demonstrating, okay, what is going on with the story? Because this anthology style, how they separated the group, but they're still running the main underlying story, has been brilliant. This is what you should be watching. I'm giving a very high recommendation. If you've walked away from The Walking Dead, no pun intended, you you need to go back because this show has definitely stood head and shoulders above anything you've seen from The Walking Dead, I will say, maybe past two years. Easy. And I know I'm saying this too, especially with Ryan Hurst Beta too. This show has definitely knocked it out of the park. It's going to be a very strong finish to where they're going because they should be wrapped up right around when they're uh, the end of Thanksgiving, I believe is when the last episode okay. is because I believe it's just only eight, eight episodes this season. But it should be way longer. If this is any direction where the season is going, man, give it a full slate run and I hope they extend it or just keep doing what they've been doing because obviously two episodes in, I'm fully hooked on this. Hit, us, hit me up on that hashtag though, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about Fear the Walking Dead? Did you quit it before? I'm going to give you a reason to go rewatch it. Check out the episode one of this current season and tell me what you think. And then stick around for episode two. I can definitely talk about that with you as well. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. Now I'm JVD. We're your host of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on thebuildsman.com. Hi, this is Tyler from Second Suitor, and you're listening to the ODPH Podcast. I want you to get it. I want you to understand. I'm doing the best I can, but not as good as I want to be. Just 
coming back for segment number three on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And let's talk Spider-Man, shall we? Sure. So, obviously, we've been talking past few weeks about the Spider-Man 3 movie. Because it started filming, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So, it's now filming down in Queens as of right now. Yep. And there's been so much speculation about who's involved, who's not. So, we're going to break down... Everybody who's been tagged in the movie, who's rumored, and then some wide idea rumors because there has been some really crazy fan theories. Looks like fans have been going a little bonkers. Right. So, Pad, why don't you kick us off? Give us a little chronological order who's involved, who's not. Uh, yeah. So, of course, we know Spider-Man 3 is happening. Uh, it was announced a couple of years ago that they would be doing it, and we really didn't know too much of what would be going on with the film. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, Tom Holland is back reprising his role as Peter Parker. Uh, also, so then. Presumably, Aunt May is going to be in the film as well. Uh, his best friend, I'm blanking on the character's name. Oh, Ned Leeds. Ned is going to be in the film as well. Presumably, MJ or whatever her name is, uh, you know. Zendaya. Is, Zendaya is going to be in the film as well. But past that, we really don't didn't know too much about it. Uh, things really got kicked into, into a tizzy when a couple of weeks ago, it was announced that Jamie Foxx would be... Uh, reprising or playing a new version of uh, Electro. Now, whether it's to be the version of Electro that we saw in Amazing Spider-Man 2, to be determined. You know, there's been a lot of rumors and hearsay and and stuff getting thrown about, so we really don't know. Uh, So that kind of... And fans have wanted to see, a you know, just some backstory with this. Once they announced Electro appearing in the film, fans really got going on the Spider-Verse film train. People have wanted to see a Spider-Verse film, or at least all three Spider-Man Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire on screen in some capacity. Just it's it's great payoff. It'd be fun to see. Mm-hmm. You know, so Electro getting announced that he's going to be in Spider-Man three really kicked those rooms, and especially that it's it's Jamie Fox of all people. Nothing yeah. nothing against Jamie Fox, but with the entire you know possibility of every actor you could have cast or actress you could have cast as Electro, you went with somebody who's already played him previously. So that kicked up that rumor even further. The fact then got even you had even more fuel thrown on that fire when they announced that Benedict Cumberbatch would be reprising his role, at, or be repri- yeah reprising his role as uh, Stephen Strange, you know Doctor Strange in the film. So you, you bring in the Sorcerer Supreme. This film's taking place, I believe, after the events of WandaVision and uh, Multiverse of Madness, I believe, you know, or before that. It's supposed to be yeah. Yeah. So th- it just further kicked off the rumors that they're doing a Spider-Verse film. And now you have rumors, and that let's just say they are rumors that Tom... God, I keep so wanting to say Tom Holland. Because he is he is the true Spider-Man. It's true. Uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield uh, have a, par- a rumor that they've officially signed on to star in Spider-Man 3 alongside Tom Holland. Now, nothing is officially announced. Nothing is officially confirmed. They're, these are just rumors. But a representative for uh, ET Canada did reach out to Sony, uh, and they said, quote... Those rumored castings are not confirmed, close quote, which is not a denial. Right. That's that's not saying they're, you know, because normally if somebody, you know, brings up these rumors, you know, to a rep, you know, they'll they'll say, oh, that's not true. There's no truth to those rumors. So it's they're, they're not denying it. They're not confirming it. So there might be some credence to this. There might be some smoke to that fire. Yeah. And I think that they're seeing the buzz that is going on with the Flash movie right now. Sure. That it's been heavily rumored over there that Michael Keaton is coming back and you're having other members of the DC universe. Supposedly Gal Gadot is going to have a small small part in the film. Right. And they're going to set up about doing the multiverse and Flashpoint and so so on and so on. And there's been every name thrown in that mix as well. Sure. 
So to see that Spider-Man has been the one that everybody's really been keeping an eye on more so because more information is rumored to be leaking out about it, it's very telling about the direction they're going in. And obviously the fact that Stephen Strange was added to the to the cast here. Mm-hmm. We do know that there's going to be ramifications coming out of WandaVision that yep. is going to take now two films to fix. Yeah, and the fact that you're going to have something happen to the point. Like Stephen Strange doesn't show up just to fight, you know, Green Goblin mm-hmm. or Vulture or insert, you know, Spider-Man villain here. Like he just doesn't do that. Like I yeah. think I think the current run of uh, Daredevil is Spider-Man's team him up with Daredevil for something. Mm-hmm. You know, so bringing in a character of Stephen Strange's ca- caliber shit's hitting the fan real hard. Yeah, it's it's hitting there so much, and then you're hearing about the names of the multiverse Spider-Man being added to the mix. Which, like I said, is something people have wanted since Tom Holland appeared on screen as Spider-Man in Captain America Civil War. I mean, I've seen, you know, fan art of all three of them fighting on screen for what feels like a decade now. Oh, absolutely. You know, so it, it makes sense that they'd want to do this. I mean, as bad as some of those movies are, the actors are good. To- Tobey Maguire was good in his own way as mm. Spider-Man. You know, Andrew Garfield was good in his own way. And it's just a fun payoff for the fans. That, hey, listen, we know we put you through some crap, but hey, here's a little fan service. Oh, absolutely. And that's why you hear some really crazy rumors going yeah. around. I mean, Tom Hardy has been rumored, and I yeah. want to stress that, appearing as Venom on there. Right. You've heard every Spider-Man villain from Alfred Molina to William Dafoe rumored. Yeah, yeah I mean, be- you, you, the, the usual characters you're seeing rumored to appear from this from, the I guess Marvel's and Disney are calling it the legacy films, mm-hmm. uh, are characters that would fill out the current iteration for the Sinister Six, which let's not forget, Sony has had a hard-on for yeah, trying... for years. Ha- Sony has had a hard-on for trying to do the Sinister Six films since Spider-Man 3. I mean, go back and, and look at what happened. They've been wanting to do a Sinister Six film for like 13 years now. It's absolutely insane, the obsession with it. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, I I have to see it on film to really buy it, but I just don't really see the overwhelming fan request for it. Yeah. It's just... It'd be cool to see, but I'm like not chomping at the bit to see it. No, I mean, it's... It's it's one of those moments that like seeing, you know, the DC Big Three on screen. Yeah. Or even seeing Doomsday on screen. Like, it's one of those moments that like, okay, that's cool, but like, I'm not like, holy shit, I need to see this now. Yeah, nobody I think is really screaming for it. So to see all these fans' reaction and how... Sony is really kind of working everybody right now about getting the the hype build up. I think it's very admirable. Oh, I, yeah. I think that they're being very smart about it because let's face it, when it was rumored that they were breaking off the relationship with Marvel and Tom Holland wasn't going to be allowed to play in the MCU universe and supposedly anymore. one and supposedly one drunken call to Bob Iger saved the whole damn thing. Bless him. Bless mm-hmm. him. That yeah, to see how the reaction was and how polarizing the the fan base was about it. There's a, a vast majority. I mean, on here we definitely went off about it. Yeah. That why would you ruin such a good relationship? And now to see where we are now, mm-hmm. that you had a little taste of this when J.K. Simmons showed up as J. Jonah Jameson. Oh my God! Yeah. At the end of Far From Home. Yeah. That it's like okay, wait, are we merging the universe and what's happening? And, sure. And plus, you have to factor in the success of Into the Spider Verse, which yeah. I, I don't care. It's animated. It's one of the best superhero films of all time. Yeah, and I, and I know normally doing something like this or having this many big actors on screen would be a concern for studios, given the cost. I mean, you look at the sixth Harry Potter film, which was supposed to have this funeral scene for Dumbledore, which in the books it's like every major character that knew Dumbledore showed up to this thing, mm-hmm. but they couldn't pull it off in the film because they would have had to pay the actor or slash actresses for you know even if it was just for a day of filming and it was just gonna be too costly but for this your return on him you gotta make the month whatever it costs to bring in andrew garfield to bring in Tobey Maguire, even if you bring him back willem dafoe or alfred molina 
Like, okay, yeah, you're going to have to pay Willem Dafoe's fee, whatever it is for him to be in a movie. Alfred Molina, the same thing. Even hell, if you can even pull it off James Franco. Yeah. You know, the return, you will make your money back just if you do. Like you, I'm here. Sony, Marvel, I'll give you your teaser trailer. Three Spider-Man standing on a building together. Yeah. Like craps going on in the background, explosions, like a war type scenario. 30 second trailer. You have already sold out every theater in, in the country. Oh, it's going to blow everybody's minds to see this. I mean, and just even think back of the history of Sony and Marvel. Mm-hmm. And did we ever think we'd get to this stage? No. Like, I never thought we would. I thought we'd maybe dabble a little bit, maybe a Venom Spider Man appearance because. Sure. But, I, I, for years, I thought we'd never see Spider Man in the MCU. No. Just because, you know, Sony was a little stubborn about it and they had their successes, but I, hey, I was wrong. No, it's, it's wrong, but the fans won, and that's the biggest takeaway is mm-hmm. the fans are going to win on this one as well. It's just crazy to hear all the fan rumors, and the latest one coming down is allegedly we are going to hear about a Miles Morales casting soon. Right. Allegedly. Which, allegedly, which Miles Morales is already in the MCU. Uh, if you remember back to Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, the first film, uh, Donald Glover plays a character named Aaron Davis, uh, who is the nephew to one Miles Morales. Uh, he doesn't name him particularly, I think. You know, he just says, my. You know, for fans who know who Aaron Davis's nephew is, yeah. you know, it's Miles Morales. Uh, there's even a deleted scene where he calls Miles on the phone. Uh, and so, and plus, Spider-Man Homecoming is before, you know, the blip. I guess they're calling it. It's pre-snap. Mm-hmm. So you could presume that if they entered, if they want to keep, the, unless they do something like, the, you know, alternate universe, you know, whatever, Spider-Verse, like he's from the Tobey Maguire-verse or something bonkers like that. You can keep it so that, oh, yeah, it's the, the MCU proper's Miles Morales. He didn't get snapped. He kept continuing to grow for the five years that uh, Tom Holland was gone. So now they're the same age. Or it could be another factor of the multiverse that you yeah. get. You get a completely alternate Miles Morales. Could be. Which I mean, it's now the realm of thought. I mean, let's face it. That's how he wound up in the MCU in the first place. He was part of the Ultimates universe. It, it's not out of the realm of thought. And there even there is even something kind of akin to what they might do if, say, a Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield don't want to do. There's there's already a sort of roundabout precedence for it. You think back to, and I know the movie's awful, but follow me, the Independence Day sequel, where uh, Will Smith didn't want to do the movie for his own personal reasons. Smart man. You know, didn't want to do it, so they killed the character off, and they had his son, who was already in the first film, you know, take over the lead role. You could do something like that. Let's just say Tobey Maguire, you know what? I've moved on from Spider-Man. I don't want to do the role anymore. I'm however many, or even Andrew Garfield, you know, eh, you know what? I don't, I don't want to do it anymore. You've got an in there where if they're doing, if they're doing Spider-Verse that, you know, you follow the into the Spider-Verse storyline per se, mm-hmm. you know, where that universe's Peter Parker was killed off and Miles took up the mantle. It's a possibility. I'm not saying it's, it's not a bad one by yeah. any means. Yeah. There's so many different directions they can go in. To hear all these fan rumors, though, about it, and the film has now just started filming. Just started filming, and I don't even think Tom Holland's there yet. I think he's still finishing filming the Uncharted film. Yeah, he's basically getting done. Uh, I forget where I was reading. He's going to get done with Uncharted, like, on a Wednesday. He'll be in New York on Thursday. Yeah, that, that was the thing. Like, is like no they, break. They've started filming Spider-Man, but it's, like, not with him because he's still finishing it because Uncharted got shut down due to the pandemic, and they're finishing yeah. up that film. It's crazy to see the schedule, but you know what? He Which I is, think is also a Sony movie now that I think about it. Yeah, but he's so dedicated to the role. I mean, that's the thing about Tom Holland. Is Yeah. That's why I say he is the Spider-Man. Yeah. That I, I'm sure. I mean, Tobey Maguire, I loved him in one and two. Spider-Man, yeah. Spider-Man 3 is atrocious. Yeah. 
I, I, I'm sorry. That was just a train yeah. wreck from top to bottom. Yeah. No, I don't want to see Topher Grace anywhere near it. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say this right now. Unless Tom Holler, Tom Hardy eats him on screen. <laughs> I mean, that'd just be kind of a weird scenario. But hey, yeah. it's something when you deal with multiverses that now this is picking up more steam and you hear more fan castings. And then especially to bring Miles Morales to the mm-hmm. MCU, which trust me, the day that that gets announced who is playing him, Twitter is going to break. I would say, yeah, because what you know, Miles Morales is like the hottest commodity, you know, with the Spider-Man universe right now. You think, of course, like you mentioned, the Into the Spider-Verse film, you know, he's a PlayStation 5 launch title coming out here mm-hmm. at the end of the year, you know, in Spider-Man Miles Morales, you know, so he's as hot as he's ever been. Yeah, and to see that he's going to come over to the MCU, I can definitely see a spin-off film. I oh, know, yeah. I know oh, we, yeah. I know we haven't even talked casting, but the character is that popular and well-deserved, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. So to see the future of the Spider-Verse, it's bright. Mm-hmm. And to see where they're going to go with the franchise, I'm super excited to hear yeah. some castings. I mean, I mean, wishful thinking everybody's involved, but you have to also sit back and go, how is this all going to balance off? I think you're going to have a lot of cameos like you would yeah. from uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. From when they did that for the CW. You'll have some of, the, some of that vibe. You're yeah. not going to have everybody in every scene. But, it, but, are, but are they going to bring back Tobey Maguire's uh, landlord? Telling Ooh. him telling him the rent is due. I hope. That'd I be amazing. S- I so hope. You need to have something like that, but we're just going to get to the tip of the iceberg. Now the filming started, I guarantee you're going to hear a casting announcement sooner than later about Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited. Let us know what you think, though. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about the multiverse hitting the Spider-Verse? And who's your cast, casting, fan casting for Miles Morales? Let's have that discussion, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, Pat kicks off those one shots. Got a couple things to talk about. I finally found, first of all, I finally found time to sit down and try the demo that is currently out for Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory. Uh, there's really not much going on with it in terms of story, so they're kind of keeping the, the lid up on that. Uh, but I did get to try some of the gameplay, and it's not bad so far. It's a little simple. It's some of the uh, music you're familiar with from fighting and in the worlds for through Kingdom Hearts, but with a kind of guitar hero DDR aspect to it, mm-hmm. you know, you're basically going along a track in, you know, f- with the background of whatever world the music is from and you go along and you got to hit a corresponding button for you, Donald or Goofy, when you have to attack the enemy, do so and you lose health and you don't get as many points, the better points you get, the higher letter grade you get. So it's very much like a DDR or guitar hero type game. Uh, the controls have got a little bit to learn because I'm not all that great with rhythm-based games, so got to pick up on that a little bit. But it's fun, and it's and it's a fun trip down memory lane, so I'll definitely be checking that out when it gets its full release later on. Very cool. Uh, it was announced today, moving on, that Quibi is shutting down after only six months. Dang. Yeah, so that was not long at all, about as long as one of their episodes on their service. This is wild to me. Yeah. Especially because we just had one of the best uh, panels they had at New York Comic Con with Slugfest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now it's already done? Yeah, so uh, this I'm reading off an article from IGN.com. Uh, after, quote, after its launch just six months ago, bite-sized entertaining streaming service Quibi is shutting down. 
This follows news that Quibi was exploring a potential buyout or merger last month after raising nearly $2 billion in initial capital. As reported by the Wall Street Journal, Quibi is set to shutter the service according to a recent call to investors uh, with their co-founder. He and his counterpart, Meg Whitman, launched the service in April with hopes that it would become, quote, the third generation of film narrative, according to an interview with the LA Times. Uh, Unfortunately, Quibi never seemed to take off like many expected it would. Initially, the app was downloaded by about 45, 4.5 million users with 1.6 million subscribing to the service. However, over 90% of those subscribers left after their free 90-day trial. At launch, many users complained that its programming was only available to watch on mobile devices. Quibi begrudgingly reversed its original vision and made content available on TVs and other formats a few months later. Uh, Quibi was expected to launch 175 original programs in its first year, with just over half of those already available on the service. So, you know, this was, and this is very surprising too, just because I remember the ad campaign right when this was getting ready to launch and when it launched was just bonkers yeah you know getting star-studded celebrity talent celebrities to pitch this thing i remember very much the sophie turner ad you know there was a whole bunch of celebrity ads that like oh quibby 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 and then, like it got to the point where i just didn't give a you know what about the damn thing well i think the biggest problem with it is okay if all your programming is going to be 10 minutes mm-hmm. is it enough that you want to c- cough up funds to pay for it as a as a permanent service mm-hmm. and i guess where i kind of sit and, I, and for me i was not excited about this yeah is okay if i'm gonna sit down and i'm gonna watch a movie or if i'm gonna watch a show yeah i'm gonna watch for an extended amount of time yeah i don't really have to go and watch for 10 minutes my attention span is not that bad this is just my opinion of it yeah oh absolutely like so how do you do like an episodic show on there for 10 minutes? You you can't even really no. deep dive into a story. You can barely get it started. Yeah, which I will say if they were still going to show Slugfest, which I hope they do. Like I hope Disney Plus or HBO Max picks it up because it's going to be Marvel vs. DC. I think that it's a tough deal to really tell these short stories and really have viewers get invested. Mm-hmm. Like you really got to be on point with like every yeah. single second. Yeah. And I think that's tough because I know we live in the TikTok era now. Sure. And people really got those quick moments and then they're forgotten. Mm-hmm. But is it enough for you to invest in for streaming content? And did they have a home run out of the gate a la The Mandalorian? Mm-hmm. You know, or Netflix who had what's at the time when they came out, Stranger Things yeah. and Orange is the New Black yeah. and, and, and House of Cards. Like they had a lot of original programming out the gate that people were investing in. So mm-hmm. for Quibi, what was that franchise? And that's the problem. Yeah. That they just didn't have that real strong show to lock them. Yeah. I mean, had they had Slugfest, I would have been locked in off sure. the gate. Sure. But was it enough for, and especially for how long their trial run was? Yeah, 90 days. That's a, See, I think that that's bad marketing right there. Yeah, I mean, I would never jumped on it just because, like you, you know, I on Monday a couple days ago, I binged about four or five episodes I had left in the Legend of Korra to finish off the series. Mm-hmm. You know, and then there was a couple days over the last couple of weeks where I'd watch maybe two, three episodes a day of uh, Umbrella Academy to finish off watching that series. Mm-hmm. And even just, you know, I, I binged last night. I want to say it was like the last four or five episodes I had left of Community. You know, which are all, you know, community, it's tw- you know, the final six season because it was on Yahoo. Uh, I was watching it on Netflix. They were all about 20, in the range of about 26, 28 minutes. So I had no issues watching that, but just I couldn't stomach myself. Like, why the hell am I going to watch something if, if it's a Netflix style show where it's, you know, 
tw- okay, if it's 20 minutes, 22 minutes, I'm going to have to wait for two days to watch just one full episode of the damn thing. Yeah. And if it's a movie, I'm going to have to wait months to see the whole thing. Yeah, it's a tough sell. It really is. Like, I think the idea is is unique. Oh, yeah. But is is are you really saying that uh, audience attention span is that short? Mm-hmm. I guess that was, those are the drawback to me. It's like, why am I going to invest in this and give you my subscription when there's not enough programming out there that has me enticed yeah. to do it? But like I say, that's just me on this. So, yeah. you know, moving forward, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Slugfest. That's what I want to see the fallout with. Yeah. Uh, moving on to some very surprising uh, movie news. It, it was announced today that Jared Leto is coming back to play the Joker in Zack Snyder's Justice League. What? Yeah, so this is according to an exclusive from The Hollywood Reporter, uh, which reads in part, quote, looks like the Leto is getting the last laugh as he joins the shoot the shooting of additional scenes for the Snyder Cut. Uh, Zack Snyder's new Justice League cut is getting some killer laughs. Jared Leto, who played the classic DC villain in The Joker, uh, the classic DC villain The Joker in 2016's Suicide Squad, has joined the additional photography shooting for The Snyder Cut, the filmmaker's definitive version of the 2017 superhero movie. He was forced to exit, and he never saw through completion. Multiple sources tell The Hollywood Reporter. So, apparently, for reasons, Jared Leto is coming back and playing The Joker for, again, oh, it's only $30 million for some, for some special effects and stuff that needs to get finished. Bull fucking shit. Uh, you know, shooting is currently underway. Uh, ben Affleck, Ray Fisher, and Amber Heard uh, are have apparently been seen filming stuff along. And so now we're, apparently we're going to be getting Jared Leto stuff. What we're going to be getting, I have no goddamn idea. Because like uh, the article mentioned, uh, Jared Leto did not join the DC Universe until after uh, Justice League came out uh, in Suicide Squad, which was in 2016, like it said. So Lord knows what they're going to be doing with this. The only way this works for me is if they injustice video game his character and Supes goes crazy. I why like the ghost of Christopher Reeve can come onto this movie and it won't save it for me. See, I'm interested. God rest his soul. Yeah, God rest his soul on this. Absolutely. I don't get this love affair about bringing the Suicide Squad onto the Justice League movie for the snare cut. Like he wasn't part of the original universe to, to begin with. So I, I only thing I can think of is, is Snyder seems to have this affiliate, aff, a fiction, a fiction, you know, fascination with doing Easter eggs that are like nine layers deep that let's not forget it is simple minded and is kind of start to finish a to B is man of steel was they planted seeds for Bruce Wayne. They planted seeds, seeds for Lex Luthor and all this other stuff that it took you know, I, I remember catching Lex Luthor in the in our the viewing we saw. Went home mm. that night and the next day saw. Oh, here there were twenty five Easter eggs in Man of Steel. Yeah, that he put in there. You know, so then you look at you know I believe it was Batman v Superman where you saw the jo- the Robin costume and ha 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 jokes on, jokes on you. Mm. He he loves to put in these Easter eggs that are like in these kind of callbacks and these you know, quasi cameos that are like nine layers deep. And the only thing I can think of is it's, it's his fascination with doing it and wanting to see it out. See, I, cause for, cause for justice league story now, granted, I realize the story's going to change. Dark side's going to show up and Steppenwolf's not going to play as big a role. I don't see how in God's name Joker factors into this unless it's a flashback scene. Well, it has to be because obviously he wasn't part of the story moving forward. No, I just, I guess where I would look at it is say, okay, do you really want to bring Jared Leto's character in there 
to me, it feels like they're trying to shoehorn him into the story yeah. when he's not that popular. I get Jared Leto as a person is very popular, but his portrayal of Joker is not that popular. If you really wanted to set the internet on fire, Mark Hamill. No, Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, that'd do it. That would really set That would people. do it. That would do it. Mark Hamill would be great, too. Don't get me wrong. But the Jared Leto portrayal, like, listen, I... Oh, you could, oh now I think about it. You could totally do the Mark Hamill. Have him play the Joker from uh, Batman uh, Beyond. Yeah, you could definitely... Older, older Joker. You could work it. I mean, it's not to say it's completely out of the realm of thought you can't do anything with it. I just, I look at the Jared Leto one and say, why? Yeah. Like, it wasn't that good of a Joker. I'm sorry. It was, it was corny. It was, it, it just, it, in my opinion, it was not good. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll stick to my guns on that. Mm-hmm. We can have this discussion on ODPH uh, social media all day. Like, I'm sorry. I'm looking at it going, why? And like, this isn't enticing me to watch the movie anymore. Like, I'm going to watch it. I'm already sold on it. Cause I, di- I did not mind Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. Batman vs. Superman. I was the ultimate a- version, the, the director's cut's better than the theatrical. Yeah, I can cut. swallow it. But to see what the hype is all about with Justice League. I want to see it crash and burn. I know you want to see I it. I really do. Well, because I just want to see what the fans' reaction is going to be. Because like we, we've we talked about this many times on the show. Either this movie is going to be the knockdown, drag-out, blow-away blockbuster that we've all been saying, okay, this is what we all want to see with DC films, or it's going to be the biggest dumpster fire going. If it's a dumb ends up being a dumpster fire, I might need paramedics because I might laugh myself into a oh, coma. Oh, yeah, you're I, right. I'm going to laugh myself into a coma. Your Twitter is going to be absolutely out of control that day. Uh-huh. And, but you know what? It, but we're going to have to wait and see about this. But add in Jared Leto, like, it's not enough to create that buzz for me. That if I was on the fence about watching the movie, sure. like it's not going to say, okay, I'm sure. definitely in. I mean, I know they're doing new screenshots with uh, Ray Fisher, mm-hmm. I believe is in there. Yep. Um, and I know they've added a couple other characters. Amber Heard is... Amber is, Heard, Ben Affleck is, is currently on set, yeah. Yeah, so I know that there's enough of like some new scenes we're going to see that, okay, I'd be more inclined to definitely check it out, but I'm not like sitting there going, okay, I really need to do this and, and get involved, so... That being said, it's I don't know like the whole. Why would you bring him back for this? Like I understand there's rumor of a, a Suicide Squad director. Yeah, yeah. Him. There's an alleged air cut for Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, is it really necessary? No. Especially because now it's it's for that it just seems the like you, I watched the extended cut a couple months ago with my girlfriend. The extended cut that's on the Blu-ray is perfectly fine. Yeah. It's like, not the greatest film in the world, but the extended cut's fine. Well, you don't you don't exactly need it, especially with, with James Gunn redoing your whole vision anyway. So With James Gunn blowing your vision out of the water and into the next multiverse. Yeah, so that all being said, like, I think it's best to just leave it alone, and, and this this is not doing anything unless you're going to have this start in Justice, because I said that Snyderverse should be the Injustice universe. I've said this many times. So, let's see what happens. Uh, yeah, so moving on to some other stuff. I uh, figured this is worth mentioning because I know people are going to look for this on television in the next couple of weeks and wonder where the hell it is. But Charlie Brown holiday specials will not air on uh, syndicated television, you know, ABC or NBC or wherever the hell it airs these days. Uh, and that's not through any issues with anybody having issues or, or being offended by anything in the films. No, 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 no. It's just simply the fact that Apple TV has landed the uh, rights to the basically the Peanuts characters uh, and they're going to be the new home for all things. Charlie Brown uh, going forward. So uh, reading again from an article on IGN.com, Apple TV has teamed up with Wild Brain, Peanuts Worldwide, and Lee Mendelson Film Productions to become the home for all things Peanuts, which includes classics like A Charlie Brown Christmas and new original series and specials. So yeah, it, you won't turn be able to turn on your TV you know, in a couple of days when it would normally air and watch you know, It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. 
or see, you know, the, the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving special or the Charlie Brown Christmas special, not because people are angry about the film or something upset them or there's something in it that doesn't look good today that looked fine back then. It's just simply the fact that Apple TV Plus is now the streaming home for all things Peanuts. They've got the rights. Who ABC, I believe, was the network that had it previously. You know, they don't have the rights anymore. So, might but, have been CBS, I think. Might have been CBS, whoever it was. It was one of the big four. Um, but take solace. You won't need, while Apple TV Plus does need typically a subscription service, uh, there is good news uh, for those of you like myself who are not subscribed to Apple TV Plus. The favorites, so the, the Charlie Brown Christmas special, the Thanksgiving special, it's Great Pumpkin, uh, will be free to all users who use the app for a short time. Now, it, it does say Apple TV Apple TV, so one would think, oh, I need an iPhone or an iPad or an, a Mac to watch this. Not the case. Uh, you can get the Apple TV Plus app through smart TVs, Roku. It's basically on any streaming device you can find. Interesting. It's, it's going to be weird not seeing it on network yeah, TV. Yeah, it's weird, but I figured that's worth mentioning since I know people are oh. going to be looking for it. And I can already see the articles coming and the and f- Facebook posts coming. It's not on TV because it offended somebody. No, 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 no. No. It's Slow just- your roll. No, yeah, it's just business for this. And, mm-hmm. and obviously Apple TV, if they have the rights, might Apple as well. TV needs something because I was subscribed to it for all of a week because I did a week free trial because uh, my girlfriend, Liz Bailey, wanted to watch the Tom Hanks film Greyhound. Great movie, by the way. But I, I did take a moment since I had access to the library to see what was on Apple TV Plus, and it's jack all. Yeah. It, it's, it's like original programming, and that's about it. No, we, we haven't really covered a lot of it on here because... They don't have anything to entice us. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not. It's nothing that would really lock me in the seat. Like, I know mm-hmm. I know they had one about the, the space launch. Yeah, yeah, and, it was the alternate history story. Yeah, and, and M. Night Shyamalan had something yeah. on there, too. Yeah. But, but it wasn't enough for me. And, to and I was going to check out that alternate history, you know, the Russians beat, or the Soviet Union beat the United States to the moon because that I like that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff, it's always fun to look at stuff like that in history and think, oh, what could have been? Yeah. But that was advertised out the you-know-what at New York Comic Con the last time we, we were there. Like, every panel I went to, you saw the same trailer. Oh, yeah, they ran it. They so it was like you the one year with with Megan Trainer. Yeah. that by the time it was all said and done I didn't want to hear the word Apple TV no but I can hear all about the bass all the time yes <laughs> uh, and so finally last thing I want to talk about near and dear to your heart my heart and I know you're super excited for this uh, it was announced just the other day that Fast and Furious 11 will be the final film in the saga never and, and it will be directed by the 10th and 11th film will be directed by series veteran Justin Lin uh, so according to the Hollywood Reporter, uh, Justin Lin is aboard to helm the 10th and 11 films in the, the proper main line of Fast and Furious uh, franchise. Uh, and uh, I guess it, uh, it has been reiterated that these movies will conclude the main Fast and Furious saga. Uh, he, pre- Of course, Justin Lin uh, previously directed Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Uh, Fast and Furious, Fast Five, uh, Fast and Furious Six. Uh, and then he is returned to uh, direct Fast or F9, Fast and Furious 9, uh, which is going, supposed to be coming out in May of 2021. Uh, so it will be 10, 11, and done, supposedly. Although I say supposedly because 10 was supposed to be the end, and now they're doing 11. So that franchise ain't never going to die. It doesn't end until they go to space. And I see Dominic Toretto doing drifts on Saturn's rings. Somebody's, somebody's got to steal all like the Honda Civics in the world and, and jump up into space. <sighs> and, then, and then he'll have to go to space. It's got to end this way. Like uh, the fact that we've gotten this far in, in what eleven films? No, no, you're gonna you're gonna make like a boatload of money mm-hmm. on there. It's never gonna end. Nope. It'll keep spinning off into like the next generations, and and mm-hmm. oh my, it's it's never going to end. Nope. It's not going to end. Oh, make it stop. 
Uh, Not as long as the studio keeps seeing dollar signs. Oh, they're make billions. They're gonna make billions. They already have. Yeah, I know, but it's like the fact that this this franchise to see if you go back and watch the first one, mm-hmm. and then tell me how did we get to here? Mm-hmm. How magic? Ah, uh, it's it's something magic and a little bit of Cuban nos. Oh my god, uh, I'm gonna need some Coronas after this one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so for my one shots, a uh, couple quick things. Uh, Marvel Unlimited uh-huh. has lowered the wait time for new releases to hit their service. Oh, that's always good. So they're going to be uh, dropping from six months' waits from uh, new books released to three. Hmm. So no difference in their price uh, points right now. It's still $10 a month hmm. for the normal um, uh, subscription service. So, yeah, so instead of being six months, it's going to be three. So, Pat, how are you feeling about that? Well, that's not bad. It's just because I feel like... It's a good sir. It's a it's a smart service. It's a good idea, but Christ, six months is a long time. It is, but I mean, I I think that that's fair if you are a comic book shop owner. Yeah. That like yeah yeah because I like I I really struggle with this. Like if I get the service because like I I'm on DC Universe and I've I've dabbled with the idea about doing Marvel Unlimited as yeah, well. Yeah yeah if because they they have they do throw some deals out from time to time. Sure. I struggle with this because, for me, I like to go to a comic shop and I like to go pick up stuff. Yeah. I still like that idea and I still like that social experience. But it's I struggle with this because, essentially, it sounds like if you're dropping this from six to three, what is the incentive to go to a comic shop and pick up a new issue of Marvel? I mean, if you haven't picked up a new issue by three months out, you're going to have a hard goddamn time finding it. Yeah. Like, 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 like even six months, it's all right. It's already moved off of the shelf from new releases to recent releases. And then it's probably moved back into the, you know, white. We've all been to the comic shops. The white boxes where it's got, you know, you it's they sort it by publisher and then by character. And you got to go digging through that, that, you know, Indiana Jones uh, warehouse full of stuff. Yeah, it's, it, it's a valid point. Like for me, I just I struggle with it though because it's like I understand the point if I'm on the service and sure. But I also say, but I do like to have the physical copy. I feel like it's I feel like it makes sense though for people who just they spend a lot of money on comics and they're like, all right, let me try and, and kind of quell my, my expenses on comics. And that's just one way to, okay, pay ten ninety nine a month and I get everything I want to read and I don't have to, you know, I can save a little bit of money. It's a, it's a great, it's a great deal if you're on the service. I'm not going to dispute that, but I just, I worry for like long-term, is this going to no. impact DC universe or any, no. you know, anybody else doing? No, it's not going to, it's not going to impact anything just because like I said, even by a month, Stuff's already moved from the new new shelf to recent shelf to it's in those white boxes that everyone's familiar with that you're having to dig through it even even at, even at one month. No, it's a it's a fair argument. Like I say, I just I it caught my eye that like to drop it that much. It's like wow, it's a great it's a great thing if you go through the service to do it. Like I say, I I am still on DC Universe. I haven't made up my mind yet if I'm going to leave it or not when it goes to Infinite in mm-hmm. the upcoming year. So kind of have to wait and see because it, it does benefit a lot. But then again, I do like going to the comic shop. Yeah. So it's. It's kind of a catch twenty two, but if you're interested in doing it, Marvel Universe is or Marvel Unlimited is something worth checking out if you're into Marvel comics. So definitely want to do that. Mm-hmm. And lastly, for me, Pad, do you know what today is? October twenty first, as we are recording. Carrie Fisher's birthday. Yes, it is, and uh, a happy birthday and rest in and obviously you know rest in peace for her. Yes. Um, it is also Wonder Woman Day. Oh, okay. Why? Today, uh, according to DCComics.com, it's the date of her very first appearance in All-Star Comics number 8 in hmm. 1941. Cool. So all through DC Comics social media, they have been doing 
uh, hashtag Wonder Woman Day, and they they treat it a lot like Batman Day. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, like I, I'm just kind of deep diving a little bit about, and they have um, some recommendations for books. Like for me, I always like the Brian Azarizel runs and Greg Ruckus. Mm-hmm. Like for me, those are like the two that really stand out. So if you really want to get into some Wonder Woman comics, and you should, yeah, those are some places I would definitely recommend starting. They do have some other book uh, ideas too as well, and they do have a very cool YouTube clip up mm. and going through her history. Yeah. And you see, like, the various incarnations, like, from Gail Godot yep. to Linda Carter to yep. the animated to the video games. And just the impact of arguably the greatest female superhero of all time. Mm-hmm. It's something definitely worth celebrating. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. How are you celebrating Wonder Woman Day? What's your books you recommend? If you're trying to get people into reading the story of Diana Prince, what is the books that you recommend? So definitely make sure you're celebrating that today as well. Also talking about the comic shops, DC has a big week Uh out right now, too. A lot of Batman stuff. Yeah. Batman 101, so the aftermath of the Joker War, Tynan's run continues, and Batman White Knight presents Harley Quinn. Uh So it's the Sean Murphy universe, and that is always, always, always a great read. Yep. Plus, there's a little book called uh, Death Metal Robin King out, too. Yeah, which you're going to need something after you read that, because death metal stuff is always bonkers. Oh, it absolutely is. And then looking on the Marvel side, too, You've got, uh, obviously, Amazing Spider-Man 50. Yeah, because I don't want to go into spoilers on that one, but uh, after the last issue, uh, 49, holy shit, they're going some places with this. Yeah, it's definitely... Oh, baby. It's definitely something longtime Spider-Man fans will be shocked and very happy to see as well. Yeah, so just reading off the description of uh, on Marvel.com. Last Remains is so huge it cannot be contained within the pages of Amazing Spider-Man. Kindred's assault is so epic it's going to sweep the other spider heroes of the Marvel Universe up in its wake. All this and the bombshell dropped at the end of Amazing Spider-Man number 49 rolls toward one of Marvel fandom's favorite characters. Yeah, they they dropped like the mother of all bombshells. I don't think anybody saw coming, and I cannot wait to see where they go with it. I I, I was thought they were going to go one place with it. Glad they didn't because holy shit, that would have messed up a Peter Parker psyche to like the umpteenth degree. Mm-hmm. But they went someplace else with it, and Lord, it ain't going to be any easier for him. No, it definitely isn't. So it's something worth checking out. X of Swords is still going on too in the X Men Excalibur book. So. Mm-hmm. A lot of great books coming out, so definitely also hit up our good friends over at Cheers to Comics and Wednesday Poll List. They definitely have some great comic podcasts, and they definitely break down everything that you need to pick up at the local comic shop. So definitely get out there and go support. Mm -hmm. So that all being said, the music you heard on this episode of the ODPH is that of Shout at the Robots. They have a Patreon now, Pat. They have a lot of cool swag. Cool. I don't want to brag too much about it because you need to go there, check it out, sign up, and help support that great band. And also check out all the great musicians that have came through the ODPH by stopping over to OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Hit up the music section. Hit up the ODPH directory, which we have friends of the show organizational link support in Black Lives Matter and voter registration. We also have all our pod chaser groups for our amazing pod groups that we are in. So shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to the Legion Independent Podcast. Shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. Shout out to the Apocalypse and shout out to Hashtag 607 Podcast. All of that and so much more is at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Paddle 1J. 147 days, still no HBO Max app on Amazon, Fire Stick, or Roku. And just real quick, I know a certain CEO of a certain company is doing interviews and talking about bottlenecks and issues with the streaming devices and the streamers services. All this is why, that's why we're not on those devices yet. Cut the shit. Start up the Skype call. Start up the Zoom conference call. 
get this shit done. There's 80 million combined subscribers, people between Amazon Fire Stick and Roku. If you're sitting there whining and complaining about the no, the subscriber numbers aren't as good as you thought you were, hello, you're not on the two biggest streaming devices on the planet. Fix your shit. I can't top that. You you heard Pat. Enough said. Enough said indeed. I'm your host, Ken M. It's all about the base. No trouble. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.